Hey, another great episode of Roundup is coming up next. If you like what you heard, please go online to redsearadio.org and donate, become a monthly sustaining member, and keep us on the air. Thank you and God bless. Well, good morning. This is Wednesday, October 31st, All Hallowed's Eve. And this is Red Sea Roundup. I am your host for the day, Pam Marvin. Our producer is Thaddeus. Good morning, Thaddeus. Our producer is Thaddeus. Good morning, Thaddeus. That's my name now? Oh, interesting. What, Thaddeus? You're not Thaddeus? Since when? I didn't know my last name was Good Morning. Oh, I'm just teasing. I'm just having some yeah. more with you. Pam. Good morning. Oh, good morning. And today, ladies and gentlemen, I have a dear friend, distinguished uh, Brian College Stationite, uh, Dr. Jim Olson. Is it doctor? Is it doctor? We no, have some. Just, just Jim Olson. Just Jim Olson. Yeah. James Olson. Thank you for joining us this morning, Jim, so much. We're so blessed in our community. We have so many wonderful and amazing resources to help us grow closer in the faith. And I'm so thankful that Jim has joined me today to talk about the virtue of courage. But before we get to our main conversation, I want to invite everybody, if you have any any um, questions for us, comments or otherwise, please join in and call us at 855-683-7332. And... Um, just call in, and we'd be happy to answer any questions you may have regarding the virtue of courage or just whatever else is on your heart. Yeah, I have a neat segue from that. We're going to be talking about the virtue of courage, and you know something I learned in the course of preparing for our benefit dinner, which is the theme is the saints, Catholic heroes past okay. and present, okay? Yeah. Well, do you know there's the path to sainthood? Well, you go from servant of God, the next is to be declared venerable, and that is when it's determined that, that a person has displayed heroic virtue in their life. Yeah. And the stipulations for that is that they have displayed the three theological virtues, faith, hope, and love, right. and the four cardinal virtues, justice, temperance, fortitude, and... I don't know. I'm blanking on it right now. That's terrible. <laughs> That's why I was trying Justice, to get... temperance, fortitude, and... I don't know. I'm blanking, too. So if you know the answer to this question, call in right now and let us know. Fill us in. What about but you, Jim? as you said, courage uh, is under the virtue of fortitude. fortitude. That's right. It also seems like it falls in the line there with justice, but that's all its own. So that's a... It's a nice... Uh, temperance. It's nice that we're... Yes, thank you, temperance. It's nice that we're doing this today on the uh, All Hallows' Eve, the vigil of All Saints' Day. Mm-hmm. Seems very apropos, and we're getting ready for our benefit dinner, which is tomorrow, a long time in coming. It's at St. Thomas Aquinas Catholic Church in College Station. Doors open at 7. There's Mass at St. Thomas Aquinas at 6 p.m., so you can just go to Mass and then come right over, march right over for Mass to the uh, benefit dinner. Because tomorrow is Holy Day of Obligation. Holy, Holy Day of Obligation, All Saints Day, that's now right. Now you know. Where we celebrate all those holy men and women who are in heaven, praying for us, right. cheering us on to live lives of virtue, which is uh, not always easy, as many of us no, it's know. Not. Mm. Um, 
we're going to have a great speaker, Tom Peterson, who's the president of Catholics Come Home. Okay, can I ask you questions about him? Because I was trying to explain this to someone the other day. Sure. Uh, Catholics Come Home is different from Journey Home, which is Marcus Grody, correct? That's right. Yeah. So Catholics Come Home, what is that main focus of that show? Because we air it here, don't we? That main focus, they do recently have a program. I think it's been on EWTN the last two years, television program. But it had begun as a um, an effort to reach out to uh, lapsed Catholics and get them back to the regular practice of their faith. And it was done primarily through buying ad time during uh, major sporting events. For example, mm. the Super Bowl, the college football championship, okay, yeah. and those com- those beautifully Beautiful. produced commercials about the the elements of, of Catholic life and ca- the Catholic faith. And there's I think there's a famous one where uh, Lou Holtz, the coach from Notre Dame, um, speaks Ad- mm-hmm. addressing those folks. So those that's that's those evangelical efforts that oh, Tom has okay. pioneered. And and their focus really is just anyone because we all believe sure. we belong in the same home which is which is the Catholic Right. Faith. And, and many converts talk about I'm finally home. I, I feel like yes, I'm home. I you know Scott yes. Hahn has his famous uh Rome Rome sweet, sweet home. Rome. Home sweet Rome. Home sweet Rome. Or Rome, sweet home. I think it's Rome, sweet Rome. Rome, sweet Rome. I think so. What do you think, Jim? Don't no, know. No. <laughs> well, I know for me personally, um, not. We're not in, making a very good impression on Jim this yeah, morning. We're not very polished. <laughs> we are. Well, Pam. for for me, you know, being a con- the convert that I am, um, I didn't really have much of a basis, and um, I like to home. to think that one of the best things that. Uh, that my parents gave me, my mom especially, was intellectual honesty. And um, she really instilled that in me. And given that, it led me straight to the Catholic Church because I had a lot of questions and, and went straight to that. But uh, before before we get leave this section, I want to go ahead and talk about other things that are going on in the oh, area. Can I just say one that? last thing oh. about the, uh, the benefits? Oh, I'm please sorry. Do, please I just do. wanted to mention that we're so, so grateful for the response we had to cut off registration on the website because uh, we we just can't can't fit any more people in wow. St. Thomas Aquinas in terms of you know purchasing tickets, fitting more tables. So we uh, were really th- so thankful for people's response. Um, That's amazing. This year and we're going to have a yeah, looking to have a full house tomorrow. We're growing and growing. Maybe have to have a bigger venue in the future. <sighs> Don't. Well, <laughs> let's not count our chickens. <laughs> Right. Well, right, right. So is there anything else going on in this community? Well, we've got, I want to remind everybody, plenty of mass times available tomorrow um, to, to make your Holy Day of Obligation with All, all Saints. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to join my kids over at um, the Good Shepherd Chapel at 920 at the St. Joseph Catholic School to go so we can be there as a family. What about you, Thaddeus? When do you think y'all are going to We plan it? to go to uh, the, the Vigil Mass tonight oh, here good, at St. Mary's. Yeah. What about you, Jim? You and Meredith? I'm going to be in Lincoln, Nebraska, but I found a church up in Lincoln that has a sung mass at 6 p.m. Wonderful. Looking forward to that. That's going to be awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Also, I want to um, say a shout out to an event that you're always a part of every year that has profoundly touched me in the past, and that is our 4th of July rosary and mass celebration where... Tell just remind because I think patriotism is really on the surge again, and I'm so thankful for this because it, it resonates with me. But but Jim, I got to tell you, oh, when I went the first time to hear you uh, 
do that rosary for our, our nation, which um, you can tell us a little bit more about that in a second, because because we are coming into the midterm elections, I want to encourage everyone, get out and vote. And you know, this is our freedom. This is this is our obligation as Catholics to be a part of the public square. But um, I just also want to thank you for that beautiful display of patriotism um, on the 4th of July. So tell me again about that patriotic rosary. And how can I get a hold of that? Because I would love to be praying that more regularly. Well, it is in a booklet. Uh, my wife Meredith and I lead that uh, patriotic rosary at St. Thomas Aquinas every 4th of July. And it is a beautiful, beautiful tribute to our country, and it ties in, of course, our faith and God with our country. It consists of readings that go with each of the decades. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, as luck would have it, 50 Hail Marys correspond to 50 states. It's amazing. So, so as a preface to each Hail Mary, we offer that Hail Mary to the souls of that particular state. It was so moving to me. Yeah, for us too. It uh, it really makes a pressure on people, I think, when they see that. And we found some some good readings from the booklet mm-hmm. that really bring home how God is so intertwined with our country, with the so founding fathers, so. and how it would be a, such a, a tragedy for us to depart from God in our country. And our founding fathers, for that matter. That's right. Because I, I remember the first time I sat and listened, when I would hear the reading section, you were usually... Um, quoting a, um, an ancient dignitary, so to speak. And it was so applicable for the times that we're living in today. It's like just timeless. We'll have to get you a copy of the booklet, Pam. Oh, yes, you can see I'm a big fan. So that's usually at Thomas Aquinas on the 4th of July. And another reason it's so moving for me is because of Jim's background, um, serving the country as he has in a couple of different ways. We'll talk about that here after the break. But um, I thank you for leading that rosary and, and bringing that to our community. It's just it, it hurts my heart when I have to miss it, like if we're out of town or something. Like, but uh, it was really quite beautiful. So, Thaddeus, anything else before we? Uh, well, I, this is not something that people can still um, sign up to join. I don't believe, although I, I could be wrong about that. Um, again, here again, Jim, the the imprecision of of everything I seem to be saying this morning. Um, but the two day equipping is November second and third. Starts uh, Friday. Friday, November second. I think five thirty is when it kicks off here at St. Mary's, and then it's basically an all-day thing on Saturday. Nine to um, four. Mm-hmm. Christopher Lafitte came on, did a great interview with you about um, what's on offer there. So if that's still available um, for registration, I would highly encourage anyone who's listening to, to try to attend if you if you can. Uh, my wife and I are planning to go. We, we are registered, so... Yeah, Paul Marvin's going too. I'm mm-hmm. gonna get very excited. Um, Just Paul Marvin, not Pam Marvin. Yeah, Pam Marvin will be there oh, too. Oh, okay, okay. But I was telling for all the guys out there, Tom Lestuna. I was trying to talk Tom into it the other day, so <laughs> shout out to Tom because he was like, "Okay, if Paul's going." But I want to, I want to um, give what my I liked, little. What I liked about what Christopher explained to us on the radio when he was on with you is this idea of of equipping is about helping you. Uh, bring to the surface and bring out in your life, in your speech, in your thought, the graces of the Holy Spirit Absolutely. that have been infused into you through confirmation. So it's not it's not a replacement for confirmation. It's not saying that, well, confirmation is nice, but you really have to have this equipping idea. No, it, it fully, uh, it, it recognizes the objective reality of confirmation, what happens, right. but it's, it's clearing away the detritus of sin and weakness 
that prevents us from being able to live as the bearers of the Holy Spirit that, right. that we are. Well, you know, having been to um, a, I've been to two of them, relatively the same, but I have to say in my, I usually put it much more simple because I'm a much more simple person, <laughs> um, that I call it a pep rally for the Holy Spirit. And what do I mean by that? I mean that Bart shoots this big old former FSU football player, which, you know, that resonates with me because I'm a big football fan, um, sits up there in his gentleness and his large stature and reminds us through preaching, not he doesn't preach, but he reminds us through scripture and through the catechism what Christ himself has taught us about how how powerful we are when the Holy Spirit's inside us and reminds us and tells us that it's because of our lack of faith and belief that we kind of squelch that part that's there in us. And so this two-day equipping wakes you up, man. It just wakes you up. It, it kickstarts it again, reminds us who we are and how that spirit of confirmation lives within us and to wake it up and, and let it go again, let it, let, let it have... Um, more power in your life that we should we should it's us that like kind of keep it small because we are immortal you know if, if you're like me sometimes you walk around doing <laughs> lots of oh my gosh I can't believe I sinned that way again kind of thing no 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 no, no. yes move on move on move on so the the, the fire of the Holy Spirit can uh, really well up inside you so if you're really feeling like you need a little uh what is it a big kick of Holy Spirit come to the two-day equipping starting on Friday evening. You could probably get it on the website at jpiihealinginstitute.org or com. Dot org. Okay. Uh, I'm sure there's... And I want to say that we have at least one person listening this morning because Ann Bame just sent me a text message that indeed Rome Sweet Home (laughs) is the book that Scott Hahn wrote. (laughs) Oh, that's so cute. And and Anne reminds me, too, <laughs> that tomorrow is a holy day of opportunity, um, which Bishop Condorla used yeah, to say. Yeah, yeah. I like that it's a holy day of obligation. We should feel like we have obligations in this world. Yeah, yeah. It's because we don't feel, it's because our country doesn't do, feel like we have any obligations you to feel one another o- anymore. I don't feel obligated. I feel but that's enlightened. Obli- having an obligation is not a bad thing. It's not a negative thing to have obligations that's to true. God, to other people. It's about doing what we should do, what we ought to Regardless do. Regardless the way you feel. Would you agree with that, Jim? She wouldn't. Yeah. Hi, Ann Bame. Yeah, hi, <laughs> Ann Bame. Thanks yeah, for listening. Thanks, yeah. thanks for stirring the pot, Ann Bame. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love it. Okay. Uh, Two-day equipping. Anything else? I mean... No, I think we could probably go to the break a little bit on the early side, give y'all a little bit more time. Yeah, if okay. You want but to. I, yes, I do. But I want to say, say real quick, um, also with November and being the um, just a commemoration of Holy Souls, I got with, together with my friends this morning, Sans Meredith, I don't know where you were today, but uh, and talked about those souls that are very important to us right now to pray for in the month of November. So I encourage you to get with the people that you love and say, is there someone on your heart that you want us to pray for their soul during this month of November? And just add it to your list to be praying for, for souls. I, I love doing the 30-day the novena for Holy Souls during this month that Terry Lipscomb so, um, so wonderfully promoted in our community. So I encourage you to do that same, to the same. But that being said, I am so very thrilled and honored, Jim, that you came to join us today. And after the break here, we're going to be discussing the virtue of courage. Stay with us. 
Well, welcome back. You are listening to KEDC Red Sea Roundup. I am your host, Azure, Pam Marvin, and I am so very honored and humbled to continue our discussion on virtues with someone who knows a little bit about the virtue of courage. I think he's had to use it in the practice of his life. I am with Jim Olson. Jim is... Um, a professor here at the Bush School where he teaches a course on intelligence, counterintelligence, and international crisis management. He served for over 30 years in the Directorate of Operations of the CIA, mostly overseas in clandestine, clandestine, clandestine operations. In addition to several foreign assignments, he was chief of counterintelligence at CIA head- headquarters in Langley, Virginia. Professor Olson has been awarded the Intelligence Medal of Merit, a Distinguished Career Intelligence Medal, the Donovan Award, and several Distinguished Service Citation. He is a recipient of awards from the Bush School and the Association of Former Students for Excellence in Teaching. Uh, His book, his last book was Fair Play, The Moral Dilemmas of Spying. Um, But he's going to have a new one coming out, Jim. I'm very excited. We're all anticipating that. Here in the community, we're asking questions about it. So fill us in about when it's going to become available and the name of it. Yeah, the name of the new book is uh, To Catch a Spy, The Art of Counterintelligence. And that is a book that talks about the threats our country faces and how we can do a better job of protecting our citizens. It should be out by the end of this year or maybe at the latest early next year. Right. And would it just – your publisher, can you say who the publisher is? Publisher is Georgetown University Press. Okay. Very good. We're working on the cover, the index, all the fine-tuning. Right. So we need to flood the market here in the Brazos Valley because there's going to be so many people asking about it. <laughs> I'm sure. So we're glad that we have you as a resource here. And again, um, the reason I chose Jim – I personally, Jim, have been – um, it's really been on my heart that one of the virtues I really needed to work on and to increase was courage. Because mm-hmm. as I look over you know, my life, I found that um, I have been ruled by too much fear. Okay, And that courage is, is definitely something I need to work on. And that being said, when I started thinking about that virtue, you came to mind as an example of uh, great courage and, and um so thankful for your love and, and your patriotism of this country. And, and why don't you kind of share a little bit ab- about um, where that love was born to start off with? How, because you built that courage. So like, go ahead, just go ahead and, and tell us how, how did you get to that point where you had that kind of courage? What made you want to go into the CIA? Yeah, Pam, I'm, I'm really glad you asked me to talk about courage because I did see a lot of courage in my CIA career. I saw men and women of the CIA operating some really dangerous places, doing some really dangerous things. And so they showed me some amazing courage. I'm not going to attribute that kind of courage to myself, but I did feel a call to serve our country. I had been in the Navy before, and serving in the CIA really seemed to me a great way to protect our citizens, to make a difference. And I found it really rewarding. Mm. Of course, the real bonus was I met my wife Meredith there because Meredith was also working at the CIA. So we were a husband and wife team in the CIA, and we loved it, and we would do it all over again if we could. That's wonderful. But in terms of courage, let me just say this. In my experience, courage was usually the product of one of two things. And the first thing, I think, was love. 
And the second thing was conviction. And love is definitely the more powerful of the two. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know in my case, if my wife Meredith or my children or my grandchildren were ever threatened, I'd walk through fire. I would walk through a minefield to get mm. to them mm-hmm. because I would be fearless. I, my courage would be total. Nothing would get in my way. And I think every spouse, every f- parent, every grandparent would probably feel the same way. But courage can also be based on conviction. And by conviction, I mean some powerful belief in something larger than yourself that you've dedicated yourself to. It can be faith, of course. It can be patriotism. It can be a lot of things, uh, some dedication to a cause. And that conviction that you have is so powerful that you would do anything to serve it. In many cases, in extremes, you would be prepared to die for it. Mm. I think of martyrs. Yes. You know, I think of soldiers. And so even in the face sometimes of certain death, they moved ahead to their fate with courage. Mm. Let me say this, Pam. You know, when I think of courage based on conviction. I often think of a little-known saint that I have developed a strong personal devotion to. Oh, really? And that's Saint Theophan. Theophan. Do you know much about Saint Theophan? No. What about you, Thaddeus? you know Theophan? Might know a little bit about him. I need to hear a little bit about his story to see if I'm familiar with him or not. Good. Yeah, Saint Theophan was a French missionary in Southeast Asia in the 1850s and 1860s. And the Tonkinese warlord had decreed that any Catholic missionaries caught in his region would be killed. St. Theophan showed remarkable, I believe, faith and courage. He entered the country. He spread the gospel. He converted the locals. even said mass in caves Mm. in hiding. So he defied the warlord. And, of course, inevitably, he was captured. He was confined in a small suspended cage. It was horrible. But there were some sympathetic guards who smuggled out his beautiful letters to his family back in France. And in those letters, he said he had no fear of death. In fact, he was grateful for the suffering that he was going through because that would bring him closer to Jesus. (laughs) Wow. And he was beheaded. Mm. And St. Theophan, for me, really exemplifies courage I know St. Teresa of Lisieux had a particular devotion also for St. Theophan. Is that right? Okay. So I'll tell you, when I'm in a situation today when I need courage, whether something big or little, St. Theophan is my go-to saint. That's awesome. Well, I want to I back up just a second here and, and go to a classic definition of um, what courage is. Mm-hmm. It is a virtue of bravery facing difficulties, especially in overcoming, I like this, Fear of consequences in doing good. Yeah. A moral courage. It enables a person to pursue a course deemed right through which one may incur contempt, disapproval, or opprobrium. A physical courage is simply bodily or emotional strength to withstand opposition. Wow, we need that today. It differs from fortitude. It differs, excuse me, from fortitude and being more aggressive in undertaking, whereas fortitude is more patient in undergoing what is virtuous but hard. Wow, there's a lot. There's a lot for me to learn from in this because as a person who struggles with the root sin of vanity, because you can't, I can't have a conversation unless talk about root sin. That's just who I am. 
But the fear of consequences, what would other people think, the disapproval, contempt, all of these things are like, wow, those are like my buttons, right? So overcoming those has been very difficult for me in my life. As you can see, this is one of the reasons courage is really, really on my my radar. So um, as far as defining courage in another way, is there anything you can add to, to that, really? I really like that definition a lot. I would like to make the point that, for me, courage is not necessarily the absence of fear. Mm. I think if you're fearless, you're probably foolhardy or reckless. But it's human and rational to fear danger. But courage is overcoming that fear. Yes. And courage is doing the right thing regardless of the consequences, as you said. So true. And, and courage is not always a matter of life and death. I think there's courage in many shapes and sizes. It can be everyday things. But the principle is the same. It's doing the right thing, staying true to your beliefs, and accepting the consequences. So if you have, for example, a person who is facing a serious illness or a physical handicap, or caring for an elderly parent. I think those are quiet acts of heroism and courage also. Absolutely. And there are a lot of things that cause fear in our lives. We are in a state of high anxiety, often in our society. Things like taking on a new job or not having a job. Uh, Breaking off a relationship is another example. For some people, public speaking can be a very frightening kind of uh, concept. Mm Mm-hmm moving to a new city, these are all situations where you feel fear. And the consequences of failure that can prevent you from acting are going to be things like embarrassment or humiliation, defeat. But a person of courage is not deterred. A person of courage will move forward. Courage, I believe, is actually doing what you're afraid to do, overcoming that fear. I want to I want to interject something that I've seen in our culture so much, Jim, because I like to like really fold in what we see and how we feel like culturally maybe we're getting off a little bit, and that is the political correctness. Okay, political correctness I think was born number one probably of a pure thing of not wanting to to hurt or offend, and in some ways there's an there's an appropriate amount of that that is good in a polite society, right? But as you and I both know, it's been taken too too far way too far. So now that people who actually speak up for what they believe in mm-hmm. are being shamed. Yeah. Um, because I would agree of with that. You know, it's political correctness can become like a tyranny oh, where you suffer serious consequences if you go against the, the politically correct approach to anything. And it's, mm-hmm. it's hard to, to defy that because you can be destroyed if you speak up. Yeah. I've recently heard a priest say this, which was like, wow, he uh, he's a Canadian priest or from Canada originally, and he said he loves these feisty Americans because um, there were voices who were quieted when they were being um, not pol- politically correct. They were shamed into their quiet and gave up, whereas the Americans are not being quiet about it. They're being feisty and speaking up. And he said he was very refreshed that that is happening in parts of our country today. That that feistiness of really speaking up for what we believe in, even though people, some people may find it offensive. Yeah, and I think that really ties into courage because standing up for what's right, even when your stand is going to be unpopular, does take courage. Absolutely. I saw that frequently in my career. 
you know, let's say, for example, that the director is proposing some course of action that is seriously flawed morally, but it's clear that the director and all the senior staff are behind it 100%. It takes courage to be that, that voice in the back of the room that speaks up and say, just a minute, I've got a serious problem with this. So dissent in those terms can be costly in terms mm. of your promotion, your popularity. It's so much easier to be quiet and to just jump on the bandwagon. But people of courage don't keep quiet. Mm. They, they speak up and they accept the consequences going into it. And I think that's very admirable. Right. It, that reminds me, I had never even heard of white martyr until the last few years. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what you're describing there is people who stood up for their values. They could have just uh, gone with the flow. Um, you know, the cake baker is one of them that I, I think of. Yes. And the Hobby Lobby situation as well, mm-hmm. where they take a, a serious losses because of their beliefs. And that, that is as amount of courage that's been on the 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 scape of our our culture right now that's that I say hats off to them and they they've suffered greatly for it. Yeah, I think our country needs a lot more people who will have the courage to speak up and to speak truth to power mm-hmm. and to express their principles, their morality, their faith. Mm-hmm. I think we're short on that in the country. Absolutely. So okay, given that is the case, I do want to talk about um, how to build that. Like okay, so. When we talk about, we're, we're kind of really, I want to dissect a little bit more of courage, but then the, then I want to move into, so, okay, so given that's the case, if we're talking about human formation, which has been kind of the whole theme of this, this uh, series this year for me, is how do we increase that virtue in our life? Well, I want to go back a little bit to what we were saying at the beginning, that fortitude being one of the cardinal virtues um, is where courage is underlying and how to build the strength of fortitude. It says, of the four cardinal virtues, um, it ensures firmness in difficulties and constancy in doing good. So I love that idea of constancy in doing good, that fortitude. So for me, I look at fortitude and go, okay, well, maybe I can be strong and firm, um, but then it's going to call me to be courageous at times. And, and I know I have really great real-world example for parents, you know, we all have that teenager that's going to bite your head off if you tell them what they need to be doing at any certain point in time. And I, I faced that in the past. And uh, it takes a certain moral courage for her good to say, stand up, because she's a real alpha by, uh, by birth, just that how God made her. I am not. <laughs> but I was made her mother to really increase in that virtue of fortitude and courage when it is right. Yeah, I think that's so true. We, we have as parents or as teachers or just as friends the obligation to, by our example, promote courage, promote the necessity of speaking up when we see a moral issue, when we see a faith issue. But silence, I think, is cowardice. Absolutely. And you have to walk a fine line sometime between being abrasive and offensive and overly critical, but I think too many people err on the side of silence. I think you're so right. I love, um, that's one of the things I've really enjoyed about Catholic Radio as well, is you hear these lovely apologists who take on these beautiful truths head-on with their callers and do it with so much love. And to me, that's really a gift, to be able to speak truth with so much love. And we need to build on that. 
um, which is kind of what you're saying. That's what's more needed as opposed to, you know, if you're inflamed or irritated anger and you're speaking on anger, you may be right, but I think it will fall on deaf ears if you've got the anger behind it, even mm-hmm. if you are speaking truth. Yeah. Yeah, I think if you are operating from a position of faith or even patriotism, any kind of really strong conviction, that creates an obligation to be a disciple of that value and not to be afraid to express it to other people. I teach that to my students. I try to give them examples of cases where someone took an unpopular stand and someone defied the common wisdom because Mm. out of conviction, out of faith, out of patriotism, they simply did the right thing as they saw it. That's a rare virtue, I think, today. It is. And, and I, and I want to dig deeper into that because it, we're going to be given situations in our current times. And I love to remind our listeners during this uh, time in our culture, everything that's going on in the government, everything that's going on in the church, we were made for these times. God's allowed us to live in this day and time. So we are all called to this courageous virtue. But we need more tools, Jim. And that's why you're here today to talk to us about, so what are some tools to build it in our everyday lives? Can you, can you give me an example from your own life about, okay, this was a moment. I knew I needed courage. This is how I like really reeled it in and came forward with it. Well, I can talk about examples of courage from my CIA career because I saw a lot of it. Yeah. And one person who really comes to mind for me was a Russian his name was Dmitry Polyakov. He was a general in the Russian military intelligence service. He was a man of real conviction. He was a man of real courage because he hated communism. He saw what it was doing to his own people. He saw the oppression. He saw the cruelty. He saw the viciousness of it. And he courageously decided that one way that he could fight that as just one person would be by cooperating secretly with us in the CIA. Mm. He put his life on the line every day. For 20 years, he worked for us, passing his secrets that enabled us to help bring down the, the, the communist system in Russia. Mm. I just had tremendous respect God for bless that him. Is he still living? Do you know? No, no. He worked with uh, Meredith and me in Moscow. I'll never forget how he risked his life by transmitting enciphered messages into Meredith and my apartment in Moscow. Mm. He was a very, very humble man, a man of real faith. He was a secret believer, and he was betrayed by someone inside the CIA after 20 years, was arrested by the KGB, tortured, and executed. So he, God bless his soul. He died for his convictions. Absolutely right. Okay, so given that what we said in the first part of this about praying for souls, I want you to say his name again, folks. Write this down. Pray for this gentleman. Yes, uh, Dmitry Polyakov. Dmitry his, Polyakov. May his soul and all the souls of the faith faithful departed. Rest in the mercy in, of God. Rest, rest in peace. peace. Amen. Amen. Gosh, what a patriot in a way. I learned a lot from him. He, for me, really was... Uh, a perfect example of courage, mm. acting on his beliefs and knowing the consequences in advance and, in fact, suffering those consequences in a horrible way. Right. Well, taking you back about when you started, because I know you didn't come out of the gate as courageous as you are today, right? Would you say you did? Was it always that no. way? Was it something that was, a, no. I think of it, virtue is like a muscle you have to develop and you have yeah. to practice it, right? No, I, I don't want to 
laud myself for having any kind of particular courage. I can say this, though, that, that for Meredith and me, serving in the CIA was not risk-free. No. So there were circumstances that required uh, some element of courage, I would say. Right. But I was surrounded by people who, who had so much more courage than I did and who paid severe consequences. Mm-hmm. One of the worst things about a CIA career is you lose a lot of friends. Yeah. And so many CIA people that I work with fell in the line of duty, paid the ultimate price. You know, we have a wall, Pam, at CIA headquarters, a mm-hmm. wall of honor. And it is a bunch of nameless stars for all the people who have died in the service of our country at the mm-hmm. CIA. And God that is a very, very meaningful for us. And for me, each of those stars on that wall are a profile in courage. Right. Well, as you talked about, Dimitri, the one thing that I, I was thinking of, what he, has a, he had a why, and you, and you started to define that why for him. Mm-hmm. And it was the love of his people, the love of his country, where yes. he felt the communism was. So, so with that love, he was over, able to overcome any fear of retribution or death, even in his case, right? right? And that's what I said at the beginning, and I, I'd like to come back to that point, mm-hmm. that I think, I think courage originates from either love or from that strong conviction. And that conviction is most usually our faith or our patriotism in the country. I think they're very closely aligned. And Meredith and I, in our career, believe that by devoting our lives to fighting godless communism, we were kind of combining the two. Mm. Service to our faith and also service to our country. Wow. It's very rewarding. I can see that. Yes, and we're so thankful for it. Yes, when I think of like just little Pam, uh, you know, just a, your average daily, you know, American citizen, citizen, um, how to become more courageous. Which I'm working on it because I see that there is such a great need. And and I was telling Jim before uh, before the show is is I I come my family background really is we're peacemakers. We're just peacekeepers and peacemakers. Um, but I believe over time I've realized it was really to a fault where we would just confrontation, literally I would have horrible physical effects with confrontation. Even if I it wasn't with me, it's other people in the room. I can remember as a young woman in my first career, mm-hmm. hearing people fight in the office next to me over mm-hmm. some point or that, you know, work-related most likely. And I was literally tremble. But you were biting your tongue and you didn't really speak up? Well, no, I, it wasn't, I wasn't even involved in the oh. conversation. I just heard the conflict. And it made me physically ill. That's how ingrained it's been in me. So yeah. I've noticed that today in times, and especially me being a person who who loves our faith in Jesus and the people that he wants to reach out to to love, he's calling me to more courage to speak his truths in love. And so when doing that, I had to dig in deeper. And it's just since we've been having these conversations and preparing for the show that I started to look at those fears Whenever I have a moment where I'm like, oh, Pam, you need to stand up and say something right there because this Mm -hmm. is not right. Um, I look at that fear and I I go behind it and and I see, you know what? Yes, you do feel that fear. And the fear is usually retribution on another person's part. Anger. Oh, see, that's a big one for me. I am very fearful of of being yelled at. You know, that just goes against my very grain. Well, it's hard to do, isn't it? Because when you do speak up. It's very easy for people to dismiss you as a religious fanatic or some kind of an ideologue 
or someone who is biased, who is not open to other views. You can be open to other views, but you still have the right to express yours. But too often we are pushed into keeping our mouth shut. I think we need to have more people who are willing to speak up. On that note, uh, just as a a culture watcher, my fascination, and what's your take on why I can even remember 10 years ago I could sit down and have really good, honest, intellectually honest conversations with my family members that are very liberal, for instance. Mm -hmm. I mean, just, I mean, literally out of my own intellectual curiosity, how did you get to that thought? And, and why? And we were able to really talk about it soundly and logically, but that's gone away. Yeah. It's not there anymore. And I want to know what my part of it is. I mean, I don't even bring up stuff anymore because it just causes a fight. And there's the intellectual honesty has really gone out the window. Can you give some insight why you think that's happened and what can we do to try and undo it? Well, I think people are so ingrained in their opinions today that they don't want to hear any kind of alternative view. It's hard to reason with people who are so vehement about their positions. And there's so much anger on both sides now. In our family, like yours, Pam, there are topics that we don't raise because we know it's going to lead to a dispute. And I tell Meredith, we're never going to be able to convince them. And I have pro-abortion family members, and they know we are devoutedly pro-life. But it's really hard to have any kind of a discussion that doesn't degenerate into anger mm. and recriminations. And, and I'm sure that's really helpful. But Meredith's a much better job of, of speaking about her faith, even when she knows it's going to be poorly received. Mm-hmm. We just had some house guests who were completely on the different spectrum from us. They were atheists. And Meredith didn't hesitate to bring up things about how important faith was in our life. And they looked at her, and I think they quietly were ridiculing her for being a person of faith. But uh, to Meredith's credit, she had the courage to sure. to say what she truly believed. Oh, yeah. I always say, you know, when I was a little kid, I, I remember thinking, oh, I don't want anybody to ever think of me as a Jesus freak. And now, if you label that to me, I, am, I wear that label proudly. Yes, yeah. I am a Jesus freak, people. <laughs> there, there are worse things to be. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so much worse. Yeah. Yeah, so I like going back to the, the practical aspects because um, most of us are not going to be called to do something as Dimitri did. Um, but in our daily lives here, we are called to speak love, um, truth with love behind it um, on a very regular basis, I think, in our workplaces. For one, um, I have opportunity also, oftentimes to lovingly speak my mind um, when people want to talk up one of the issues that comes up a lot is the issue of like being a surrogate mother mm-hmm. uh, and and they really have never been exposed to a different view when I can say yeah no I can't I can't really support that you know and they take it really well because they know me and they know my love so I think that's a real key component of discussion with people is they they know you and they know your love and you can disagree and that that's worked out pretty well, but that's still, that's not hard for me to speak up on. The other times it's really hard to speak up on right now is, uh, it, it is because the midterm elections are coming up and there is so much divisiveness, but in a way, you know, if people want to talk to me about it, I'm very happy to even talk about it from an intellectually honest, why do I believe the way I believe? I mean, that's how I found the Catholic church. Yeah. Why do I believe the way I believe? 
And I, I welcome people um, who are intellectually honest to even to ask us those questions. Yeah, I, I hope everybody would see it that same way. But I think there is a way that you can express your your faith views or your political views in such a way that you're not going to offend people. Mm-hmm. I think you can be sincere. You can argue your position with love. I think people will accept that kind of a conversation. You don't want to come across as judgmental or harsh or unwilling to listen yourself. But at the same time, you, you have to engage in that conversation. I mean, how many times do you go home after a dinner party or something say, I should have spoken up. Mm. I should have said something. That conversation was getting out of hand. Mm. It's contrary to our faith. It's contrary to our beliefs. And I didn't say anything. And I lack yes. the courage to do yes. that. And you beat yourself up a little bit Absolutely. and appropriately. Right. And I'm glad you said that, Jim, because I remember when uh, I first started to live my faith, I, I, had, I had a real desire to live my heart and my faith more obviously than I was um, about 10 years ago or so. And I made a resolution that I lived with for like a whole year. And it's, Lord, let me be courageous for you today. And what I meant by that is like, if I had an opportunity to speak about my love of Christ or the love of the faith um, or who I am to just do it. And I can remember in the beginning, it was really tough because mm-hmm. I was, again, I was concerned to make people uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, but then there's a part of me that reminded, that remembered when I was made uncomfortable um, and it was a good uncomfortable. And Sister Raffaella, oh, I love this one. Sister Raffaella said on, on the justice, uh, on the justice show, there's a difference between harming someone and hurting someone. Mm-hmm. Our words might be hurtful to them because it's a truth they don't particularly want to hear, but it's not harmful. Yeah. Do you see? And I thought that was such a beautiful distinction. Mm-hmm. But to, to take that and be courageous for Christ, to speak up. And now after doing that for a year, it's become so very natural because it means like, well, maybe they need to be offended by it. And that was not something I was ever years ago. It's like, mm-hmm. well, maybe that's something they need to be poked at. Yeah. I've always wondered why we Catholics in too many cases have been reticent yes, to speak yes. up about our faith. I think our Protestant brothers and sisters probably are a lot better than that. Mm-hmm. They will inject their faith into their conversation and they will make it a, a part of their everyday life and express that more openly. I remember when I first came to Texas A&M and I was meeting my new students and I had an off, a student come into my office. We were talking about his, his career goals and I was struck by the fact that at point, one point in the conversation, he said, Mr. Olson, I really don't think that that's what God is asking me to do. Wow. I said, wow, a young person like that, a young man, he was in the Corps, who will openly admit that he is following God's plan for his life. And that's not a big thing, but as a Catholic, where we probably avoided conversations or expressions like that, it really made an impression. And I see more and more of it, and I think it's inspired me to be a little bit more willing to open up about my faith. Right. So on a practical basis, I want the listeners to be able to leave today with some practical tools on how to increase the virtue of courage, the virtue of fortitude. And I, you know, the simple one that for me was, how can I be courageous for Christ today? 
um, meaning when it crosses my mind, like you said at the party, to speak up mm-hmm. because it's who I am. Because I, I don't ever want to walk into a room and someone say, I don't know if she was a believer or not. I don't know if she was Christian, Catholic or whatever. I, I, I didn't know that. I didn't pick that up about her. When I'm in a room, I want people to know of my deep and sincere love of Christ. And, yeah. and if that's offensive to someone, that maybe they need to be offended. <laughs> Well, if, if if Christ is the center of our life, how could we not proclaim exactly. it? Exactly. Yeah. So that's one that's one small way. But I, what are some other ways that we can increase courage? Like, say that, say with the young people that you teach, um, they're not all super. Um, you know that mind group, and like with us parents that uh, even have adult children, how do we teach courage in that faith? Because our kids are sometimes very much of the culture saying, but we don't want to offend. So. Well, we don't want to... Why is that? Why did that get so far off? And how do we undo that? Yeah, I don't know, but we teach leadership at the Bush School. It's a big part of our curriculum. And that is a point that we make over and over again, that you need to speak up. Because it's so easy not to, Mm. particularly when something has momentum. Everybody's on board. For you to be the one dissenting voice in the room, regardless of what it's based on, can be very dangerous for you Mm. because people may hold that against you. And if you're the only one who's not a team player, they're going to criticize you for that Mm. and you will be excluded. But at the same time, if you just sit there and don't speak up, you, I think, have betrayed your, your values. Right. As you're, as you're talking about that, I'm remembering another phrase I learned from Brene Brown. She's on the, the, she wrote the book on vulnerability, and she said being vulnerable to others is a sign of true leadership and courage, mm-hmm. which is really true because you're being vulnerable. You're opening yourself up for ridicule, right. for humiliation and whatnot. So I encourage our listeners to be vulnerable as well. So that's another way to increase courage, especially as it is a sign of leadership. And I, I think when you talk about the fruits of it, too, that's another motivator, finding your why. Mm-hmm. Why do we say what we say or not say what we say? Are we fearful? Um, I would add that courage, as we said earlier, it's under the cardinal virtue of fortitude, right? And then one of your other cardinal virtues is prudence. So a lot of times also it comes down to you you, you have to, to discern and think about um, maybe it's not a question of, should I say something or do something in this moment? But it's how should, how should I act in, in what, what way? And there's, there's a lot of um, kind of room for maneuver in how you put a point to somebody, how the tone of voice you decide to say it in, how you maybe preface it with some questions to the person about where they're coming from rather than just, you know, saying something right out of the gate. Do you you understand Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? It's like judging, judging the social situation and and the relationship that you have with that person can help you guide how to be courageous. Mm -hmm. Courageous takes, courage takes a lot of different forms as we've seen. Sometimes it's physical courage. Other Mm -hmm. times it's, you know, intellectual courage or the courage of your convictions. That's a phrase that we have in our society. Mm. So courage doesn't always look the same for every person or in every situation. And so that's where we need that cardinal virtue of prudence, the gift of the Holy Spirit. I think that's something that that. we can can all practice, Thaddeus. I think we can practice being more tactful, more sensitive, Mm -hmm. more open to Mm -hmm. other views. 
I think you without you know, being you, abrasive, without being judgmental, because that's going to turn people off. Right. I want I want to bring in somebody who's who's not a Catholic here, but this is a gentleman you worked with for a long time, um, President Bush. You work at his school. I thought he was a person of tact, a person who tried to hear the other guy's view. The the have half. George, you know, story about him. Talk, talk. Was he, was he an example of that? Well, I think he's a perfect example of that kind of courage, and uh, also the sensitivity, the prudence that he in, in, uh, introduced into all of his interactions with other people. Yeah, he could talk to someone in the other party, mm-hmm. and he could very rationally explain his views yep. without offending them. And surprisingly, quite often they could find some common ground. Yeah. And we could move forward. Yeah. I think he is a great role model that current politicians could uh, benefit from studying. Yeah. yeah, he's one of my heroes. I think he was a great leader. Yeah. When he was active, he came over to our school, and he he taught our students that virtue. And he did acknowledge that sometimes it was very hard for him to do the right thing. It take it took courage for him to do that. He knew he'd pay a political price. Just one small example. All of his advisors told him. George, do not go to the CIA. That's going to ruin your political career because those people have a bad reputation. You will never recover from that. But he said, for me now, that's the right thing to do. That is the best way I can serve the country. So he did it, and he, he may have had some political fallout from that, but he accepted the consequences. Wow. That's really a great reflection. Jim, we're actually getting to the very end of the show. And I can't tell you enough how thankful I am for um, just being able to learn from you and learn from your you and your wife both. Meredith's been a really great role model for me as well. But in leaving today, um, taking courage into our homes and to our lives, um, what are some like main everyday living kind of nuggets you give us to, to have us uh, be strengthened in that? I think you need to practice courage. I think you need to study it. You need to analyze what you're doing in your day-to-day interactions with people, with your spouse, with your children. Mm. When could I have been a better example of courage? And when you demonstrate courage, those around you are going to learn from that. They learn from example. And absolutely, a, a, a parent who has the courage of his or her convictions will really train the the other people in the family, particularly the children, to follow suit. Absolutely, I know. After our discussion today, Pam, I'm going to go home and work on my courage. I certainly am, especially with my <laughs> teenagers. Lots of opportunity. Well, thank you, Jim, and um, thank you all of our listeners today. We hope that we leave you with a little more tools to become a more virtuous person. And until next time. I I hope that you will join me next month. I'm going to be talking to Father Greg on temperance. And um, yeah, that's going to be awesome, right, Thaddeus? It's always awesome. Yeah, (laughs) okay. Well, thank you again, um, Jim. And we hope to have you back in the next year or so. And we'll talk about another virtue. Thank you very much, Pam. All right. Until then, ladies and gentlemen, go and love your neighbor. Since you wait.